Elise Lefcourt are the co-founders of a vegan coffee creamer company called Unicreamer. Both started their careers in the two biggest cities in the U.S., New York City and Chicago. Lori worked on Wall Street for six years while her sister Elise flourished in medical sales. They have both coped with the struggles of the real world post-college. This includes working in a man's world on Wall Street to Elise getting laid off from her job after it was acquired. After years of hustling, they realized that they wanted to start their own business and legacy and contribute to animal welfare on a global scale. Lori decided that this business would be created to help busy women who were cutting back on meat protein to curb cravings throughout their day, and thus Unicreamer was born. Hi, Lori and Elise. Welcome to Mind of a Mentor. Hi, Mama. Hey. Thanks for having us on. Oh, my pleasure. This is so exciting. Um, I'm really glad to have the opportunity to speak with you guys. So um, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about your background, um, and let's get going right now. So tell me about your childhood. What was it like growing up, Lori and Elise? Where did you grow up, and what was life like as a child? Well, Elise, I'll start because I came out first. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so um, so we are three years apart, um, and we grew up – I actually was born in Evanston, Chicago, but we both grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I would say we were your average um, middle-class household, two sisters, working parents. Um, we went to a public school. Our parents were – you know, they were very, very nice. They made sure that, you know, we were able to participate in – um, any sports or extracurricular activities that we wanted to. Um, and I think Elise and I had similar, but then also very different experiences growing up when it comes to friends and when it comes to school. What life was like? So who was the the more of the athlete in your family? Well, we were both athletes for sure, but we did different sports. So Lori was good at like softball was your sport, right? Is that what you would say? Softball, and I was in soccer just because I was super fast with no skill, but it got me through. Yeah, <laughs> and I started gymnastics at the age of two, so I was super into gymnastics up until the age or up until seventh grade, and then I started doing competitive cheerleading, um, and then I played club soccer as well. And being the younger sister, I was also pretty. Um, or, you know, Lori and her friends definitely tormented me a lot. <laughs> so that's what life with Lori was growing up. Yeah, it's really interesting, though, about the sports thing, because um, it kind of fits our personalities, because Elise is more of the perfectionist, so it makes sense that she was, like, the better gymnast and, like, cheerleader. And then I was just competitive and super fast. So if I could beat someone, that's all I wanted, which that's why I kind of excelled at like soccer, like hitting a softball or track, for instance. On one hand, we have perfectionists. And on the other hand, we have competitive nature, which is a great combination in terms of forming um, a business. But that's why I like to talk about your childhood, because I really think that uh, foundations are created uh, personality-wise, and sports really does play a very big role 
in the development of young young women. And I mean, I think being involved in sports is just so critical. So tell me, what were you guys like as students? Yeah, well, this is Lori. Um, I'd also say, too, this is it's such an interesting podcast you're doing, Marla, so thank you. Um, we've never gotten asked these questions. Well, I think along with sports, too, um, I was also super into piano and violin growing up, more so piano, and I think that played such an instrumental role in helping me read and be one of the first to read because I was never the smartest one in the class, but I was one of the first ones who knew those basic cues. And um, I just think that played such a pivotal role in in doing that. Were you good in um, languages? Did you speak another language? Lori, you were good at French. So I was the reason why I... French. <laughs> The reason why I ask is um, very often there's a correlation between uh, the ability to pick up a new language and um, musical ability. So there's a strong correlation. So I was just curious about um, that that part of your personality. What about you, Elise? So for me, school always came pretty naturally. Um, I feel like I never really... I was, I'm kind of, I guess, a perfectionist in that way, too. I never really tried that hard, but I always made sure, you know, I had all my work done on time, and I always got good grades just because I always felt so guilty about myself if I wasn't doing the best. So yeah. tell me, what did you want to be when you grow up? I mean, when I, I wanted to be an astronaut, I'll give you an example. Did you really? I think, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Really ambitious, Marla. Thank you. That is super mm-hmm. ambitious. I think, and this is Elise, um, for me, I think it really changed like every year of my life. I remember wanting to be an actor when I was really young because me and Lori and all of our friends would always make these home videos. And then I wanted to be a weather girl on the news. And then I wanted to be like a vet. So I don't know. I think I changed every single year of my life. And then starting in high school really did not have a clue what I wanted to do when I was older. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lori? Yeah. yeah. So also going back to the subject of school. So Elise was always the perfectionist and she school came a lot more naturally to her. I was always good at really random subjects. Like I was for some reason, really good at math and history, but for some reason, I just couldn't, the rest of the courses were a little bit tougher. Um, so I think it it's kind of played a role in like doing, I don't know how we do our business now, because I feel like I've had to learn so much more. And um, that's kind of why I kind of put myself in that place to like take extra courses now. And I, I feel like I was a late bloomer in that aspect. Growing up, I don't really remember, to be honest. I knew that I I always wanted to be in front of the camera, so I believe I wanted to be a journalist, which is what I went to school for originally. Okay. So this background, your sports, your, your studies, this carries you through, I would imagine, high school, correct? Yes. So then college. Uh, where did you both go, and what was the decision behind uh, the school that you selected? Yeah, so this is Lori. Um, We actually both went to Mizzou. Um, For me, I kind of wish that my 
my parents were amazing, but I kind of wish they showed me other schools or kind of took me on trips because I kind of felt like Mizzou was the end all be all growing up in St. Louis. It was an hour and a half away. It was a good school. Um, I didn't really know anything else. And like I said, I wasn't that ambitious actually until probably the last year of college. And um, so, yeah, I decided to do marketing and business. I really went to Mizzou because um, I tried to go to Arizona and my parents told me that I was only going there because the weather was warm, which they were right. (laughs) And so they said, no, you're going to Mizzou, which was my second choice just because, you know, Lori went there. It's where a ton of my friends were going. Um, So I ended up there as well. But I mean, I think I liked college a lot more than Lori liked college. Yeah, well, let's talk about college because that is such a pivotal time in, in someone's life. I mean, I know I learned a lot about myself in during my college years. So tell me, any big things occur in college that um, sort of brought you clarity or um, that you felt was very challenging in terms of the way you thought about yourself? Yeah, I... I actually don't feel like I did much growing up in college. I think I'm one of those personalities that kind of would have been, sorry, mom and dad, would have been better off um, starting a, you know, starting a company or working for a startup early on. I think that's where I needed to be because I needed that creative outlet. And I felt very, Mm -hmm. I felt like college was holding me back from that. And also I never had a great group of friends like Elise did. Um, for some reason, you know, even our sorority, I think 40 out of the 60 of us deactivated because no one liked each other. So I don't know, Mizzou, I had so, I did have a lot of fun, but at the same time, I personally could have flourished elsewhere. And I think that's what happened when I went to New York. So you, all right. So you both went to the same school and what were your majors? If you could just repeat that. I majored in business marketing. Okay. Yeah, we both have the same major, business marketing. So then graduation time uh, hit you both at different times in your life. What did you decide to do? I mean, it's a scary time when you realize you're a senior and you're starting the first phase of your life as an independent adult. What was your career? What were your career interests? Well, this is Lori. Um, I was never one to want to do what everyone else was doing or take a path that was conventional. So I I knew from day one that I wanted to start my own company. Um, I actually attempted to start a mobile spray tanning company before anyone judges me. It was really big at the time. There was actually a reality TV show about it. Um, So we actually got... um, We had a guy who funded some businesses in Columbia, Missouri to front us the 2000 for our mobile spray tan van and the machine. And we were thinking we could just go and do 60 girls within an hour. Um, You know, this is going to be our thing for the rest of our lives. And, you know, this, this one guy actually, when graduation came along, gave me an ultimatum kind of to either be with him or he wasn't going to give me the money, which was super disappointing and really pervy. So I ended up uh, going to visit my friend in New York, and I never left. And that was how that happened. So you went to New York, and you said, I like this place. What did you decide to do as a next step? 
um, how did you get from the spray tanning concept to going in New York and trying to figure out what you wanted to do career-wise next? What was the thought process behind that? My thought process was I felt, I think when we're younger, we have less inhibitions, and I felt this intuition that I needed to be in New York. I wasn't sure. I was always a homebody. I never went to camp, so it was really weird for me to be like, bye, mom and dad, I'm going to New York. It was very, very odd, but I felt like I needed to be there, so I moved there with no job. I remember the first day, like, sleeping on my cousin's couch in Jersey City, like, wandering around aimlessly and like, wow, like, this is this is where I live now. And I stumbled into, um, I stumbled into actually a bar and ended up bartending, but, or cocktail waitressing. And at the same time, I wouldn't sleep. I would pretend to intern on Wall Street because I had one connection from my doctor who was on Wall Street. So I would go till six in the morning and work and then straight into quote unquote interning to meet as many people as I could because I knew I wanted to make money if I was going to live in New York. And after about a month, I got a break and they were hiring at one of their competing companies. So I ended up getting that job on the first interview because I already knew somebody. So that's when I knew that networking was my big thing because I hustled that first month and I basically didn't sleep until I got this job. And then six years later, I was still there. (laughs) So I'm hearing a couple of things that I think are really interesting, um, and then um, at least we can go back and, and talk about your progression. But it sounds like you've always had this competitive, creative drive to you, very entrepreneurial. And there seems to be basically, and perhaps it started with with the sports that you played, you really pushed yourself. Um, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of fear. These are really big steps to take. Did you experience fear during this process when you said, heck yes, I'm, I'm New York bound and here's where I'm going to be? How did you, how you know did you, that's a pretty brave thing to do. Yeah, you know what? It was less fear and more anxiety um, because I put so much pressure on myself to always when I pinpoint something that I want to be the best at, I always put some, so much pressure on myself to be the best that like, I just, that I, I don't know, it's more stress and I'm very risk averse, like, or I'm the opposite of that. Sorry. Um, I just, for some reason knew that I was going to make it like, I'm a big dreamer. So for me, it was more anxiety than it was fear. If that makes any sense. So you talked about um, that there were people who believed in you and took you on uh, in terms of the start of your corporate career. Talk about that process, because to me that's the beginning of a mentorship. Talk to me about how you went about doing that. Yeah, so right before I left for New York, I stalled as much as possible on vacation, came back, told my parents that I was packing up and going, and I was gone a week later. And that short period of time I met with a doctor he had a niece who worked on Wall Street she was a broker for interest rate swaps at one of the top firms there so he already made that connection and it just sometimes takes one person it was that girl we were we're not friends to this day but I'll never forget her because it was that woman who took me in brought me over to dinner let me sit with her all day of not knowing anything and connecting me with so many people. And because of that, I will always be so grateful and I'll always like try to pass that down 
to other people, especially other women, um, because it was mostly, you know, it was me and like nine men at my first job, but I was also getting paid more than most of my friends combined in the first six years. So, you know, it was, it was kind of incredible what she did now that I look back. So it sounds like you found a mentor and took a gigantic, made a gigantic leap of faith in terms of uh, deciding that Wall Street was for you. Because that's a pretty big change going from spray tanning to <laughs> working in a bar to working and thriving on Wall Street. What propelled yeah. you to do this? You know, they liked the fact I sent them my resume, but they didn't even care about that I graduated. They loved the fact that I actually was entertaining um, and that I was a people person because I was brokering swaps between bankers and traders. And one of my main jobs was to keep their relationships going. And that was to entertain them. So I'd be working in from six to five every day, but then I'd be out from like six to midnight. Um, they loved that. And I'm hearing a couple of really interesting things, which is, uh, although perhaps you didn't enjoy the sorority, um, I know that people do have experiences with sororities that really does help shape a personality in terms of being outgoing, engaging with people, which sounds like was a very important skill set for you to have in terms of getting out there and being successful in Wall Street, but also even before you started your job, getting out there and, and finding a mentor? Well, I'm just a yes person. And I will admit that I actually didn't have those skills in college or in my sorority. In fact, I was pretty closed off to just a small group of friends in my sorority. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really interesting. I think New York and the energy really changed my personality. I felt, I feel like I grew up in New York. Um, I don't feel like a public school and sorority and where I was at gave me that chance like New York did. And I didn't start having this sort of like go-getter personality until, you know, unless it came to sports until I moved to New York. So I think the sports played such a big role in like how I act, but I don't think my schooling or my social life did. I also want to add, like, I feel like Lori never really cared what people thought about her which was such a good thing and like that's why she really flourished moving to New York because you almost succeed more when you're kind of just more out there and fun and just don't really care what other people think of you which is a good thing yeah right. so Elise tell me about your progression so you graduated from college and then yes what, what so did you decide I actually so I actually um, accepted a job a few months before I graduated, um, and it was in Chicago. I knew I wanted to be in a big city, but since Lori was in New York, I kind of wanted to go somewhere else. So Chicago just seemed like the next best thing. So um, two days after I graduated, I moved up here and started my job a few days later. And I think Chicago is probably where I grew up as opposed to college, um, just because it was, you know, the first time I was really on my own. I was making my own money. I was meeting all these new people and just introduced to a whole new world. And, you know, I remember getting down to like $10 at the end of my, you know, before I got paid next and having to really budget. 
So um, I feel like that's really when I started to grow up. And um, my first job was was okay. Um, I didn't make a lot of money, but it was good experience. And it was a very young company. So I met a lot of friends who I'm actually still friends with six years later, which was awesome. Um, but I knew I didn't want to stay where I was and I wanted to make more money. Um, so that's why I decided to get into medical sales, which is what I'm doing today. So I kind of just worked my, you know, worked as hard as I possibly could in order to get into medical sales as quickly as possible since it's super competitive here. So what type of, uh, are these um, medical instruments? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, so they're medical device. So at my last job, um, I worked, I sold to mostly plastic surgeons and orthopedic surgeons. Um, and now at my current job, I sell products to orthopedic surgeons as well. Um, you know, I, as soon as I can, I'm hoping to quit this job and focus full time on Unicreamer. But for now, mm -hmm. you know, this is the kind of what's funding our business. So I'm glad I got into it just for the fact that it is pretty lucrative. So um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to help out with, with Unicreamer on that front. So just just before we get into Unicreamer, I'm just curious, um, any big ahas or lessons learned with this first job? Anything, did you learn anything about yourself or the way you connect with people that you think was, you know, certainly important in terms of your development? Yeah, I mean, I've learned a ton just in terms of sales and marketing. And um, I think one of the main reasons why I've done such a good job in sales is the fact that I am super p persistent and I am super competitive. And, you know, in sales, they show your numbers every month to everybody. So if I'm not like number one or number two on that list, I always just like had anxiety or, you know, like felt bad. So that competitiveness really shows through. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot just about relationship building and networking. I've you know, joined a few different networking groups in Chicago, which has really helped um, with every aspect of business. So, okay, so now we're sort of present time, and you both have founded an amazing company, Unicreamer. What was the process of creating the concept, creating the product? What was the beginning of this idea? Where did you start? How did it come to you? That kind of goes back actually to my first job on Wall Street. So Wall Street, like this, that job, those six years could be a whole five hour podcast, to be honest. So I'm not going to bore you with those details. But in summary, um, those were very lucrative, but also very unhealthy years for me, like both mentally and physically. So um, I would say that, you know, I, for the first time, me and Elise always were blessed with very high metabolisms, but for the first time I was gaining weight, working out, you know, my 45 minute elliptical sessions were not working anymore. Um, I was drinking every single night. I was also drinking because a lot of the men were, um, I mean, I met a lot of amazing men, but a lot of them were not uh, that great to work with. Um, so I just had a very unhealthy lifestyle and also about a third of the way and I stopped eating meat because Elise and I are very passionate about animal welfare. So, you know, I was constantly on the road and I started to pour my vegan protein mix into my coffee as creamer. 
because I found this influencer who was promoting this high protein diet on Instagram. And I'm like, you know what, maybe this would work for me. Maybe I just need to find some more plant protein throughout the day. But, you know, there's not a lot of plant protein options besides these high calorie protein bars. So when I started doing this, what I found was that I was fuller throughout the day. I was more focused. I wasn't reaching for really bad snacks. Um, So I decided to bring it home and I showed Elise my chunky protein mix concoction that I was putting in my coffee every day that was really helping me um, stay full and focused. And Elise was like, actually, this doesn't taste as bad as it looks. And so we decided to actually make it a real thing, make sure it dissolved properly and tasted like actual creamer. And I have to add to that, that probably like for over eight years, Lori has called me every day, maybe three times a day with a new brilliant idea that was going to change the world. And I would either by the fourth year, just start shooting them down or be like, okay, Lori, actually do it. And so this idea, when we like looked at this chunky protein mix and we were like, this should actually be a thing. That's the first time I was on board too. And I was like, okay, this is a game changer. Let's get it done. So what I think is interesting, which is lesson number one, you thought about needs of consumers and you were the first two consumers. As vegan or vegetarians, what what did you need to live a healthy life? And I think that's a great way for a lot of people to think about um, businesses to start, which is what, what kinds of things do you need individually or what kinds of things do your friends need? So I think that's actually pretty interesting that that's the way you came up with this concept. So, okay, so you got to the point where you where mm, vegan creamer, there's something, something here to, 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 to deal with. So what was the next step? How did you move the, the idea forward? Yeah, so it wasn't actually until three years later after I quit that job that I decided to take this leap. I knew that I needed experience first. Um, so I signed on to run marketing and sales for a startup and I was one of the only two employees. So I kind of got to see every single little aspect that goes into running a startup. So by the time that I started Unicreamer, I already knew how to work with distributors and manufacturers. I've already trained from the lowest level to the highest level. So I had that knowledge. Um, so by the time I decided to start Unicreamer, I knew right away we needed a good manufacturer. So I just started calling manufacturers and interviewing them until we found one. Um, and then, of course, the business plan. And that's that's really how we started. So I was going to ask you about the business plan. How did you approach that that part of the process, which is actually a really important part? Yeah, well, I was really lucky in being able to be friends with some of the top female entrepreneurs in New York City at the time. In fact, um, after I broke up with my boyfriend, I moved in with one of them. And um, we sat down and she basically gave me like all of our strategic marketing plan. <laughs> so that was but then at the, same, at the same time, I also didn't know much about how to make one. And um, I helped out with it as well. So I literally walked across the street to Barnes and Nobles and got three different books um, that were popular at the time of how to build a business plan and just did my research and um, went from there. So look, it sounds like the two of you have an amazing relationship, but sometimes working with a family member is, is challenging. 
how did you make the decision that, you know what, it's going to work? What was the process of, did you have that conversation? I think we both are so passionate about what we're doing. It meets so much criteria to what we want for our lives. We're building a legacy. We're helping a lot of people. And we're also building a platform that can help animals. It literally hits so many um, different aspects of what our mission is that we don't, we can't see failing in our future. So it was a no brainer, and, but we knew working together would be tough. But I think working with your sister, first of all, we have such different strengths that we're able to delegate those roles um, so well, but at the same time, we'll fight. Um, but, you know, if it was any other person, if it was a friend, I think we wouldn't be able to get the issues on the table and solved fast enough. I think a lot of resentment will be built, whereas we'll just fight it out and hate each other for like a couple hours of the day and then we'll resolve it. <laughs> so Great. Exactly. So you moved from the business plan phase to implementation. Tell me and tell our listeners about that process. It was an interesting process because at the time Elise and I didn't live in the same state. I still lived in New York, then I went to California and she's been in Chicago. So during R&D, for instance, we found the manufacturer. They delivered the product to Elise. Elise happened to have more excited friends um, to try out the product. So she was able to um, do taste testing with her friends. And at the same time, I was out in L.A. um, with our advisors meeting people that could help us excel in our business. So. I think after the R&D came together, after we decided, yes, this is our first batch of inventory, let's order it, we have our packaging people, and and then I was like, you know what, I'll make the move back home for now because the business needs me everywhere. Um, We decided to essentially do our launch party in Chicago, where Elise knew everybody, and we were like, you know what, to take this one step further for our launch, let's get a celebrity involved. Let's get a celebrity involved that aligns with our brand. So I used my stalking skills, guys, and stalking is very important, Um, but not stalking in a bad way. But I used my very persistent email slash DM skills to get Ben Higgins and his company to basically sponsor our launch party. So we kicked it off with a bang, and I think it just created so much hype. Um, that hasn't quite died down yet. So we're just trying to keep that hype going with a lot of community events. Um, we work with yoga places, a lot of women's summits. We've done like a, like a boss girls event. Um, you know, we just try to keep the momentum going at this point. So I'm curious, from the point that you figured that the business plan was done, to the point of actually doing the launch party, how long, how many months was that, or how many years was that, I should say? I would say we started, Elisa, do you say we started in July? Like, that's when we made this decision to actually start. Yeah, probably. I'd say from the time we finished our business plan for our launch, it was really only like three months. You created a business plan, you found vendors, you designed your brand, your logo, the packaging website. You did that in three months. I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think we probably, hindsight, 
should have held off a bit, but we were just so excited. We're like, as soon as our product is ready, you know, like let's let's just get it out there. If we could have done it a month later, we would have, or like a month sooner, we would have. Yeah. So I mean, you're still. Also, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think execution is everything because now in in like this day and age, everyone's starting their own thing. Um, every a lot of people are all talk and I for a while was all talk and for the first time I really just wanted to do it and I think my new moto am I saying that right motto moto is um (laughs) motto is fail forward um you know I think any business even the big conglomerates out there everyone makes mistakes and I think um that was our thing. I think let's just put this, uh, the product is great. Let's just go out. Let's put it out to the world. Let's just go for it no matter what. And I think once you start executing, you find that you will have organic growth no matter what. There will be setbacks and failures, but you will meet so many people and you will have growth that will happen so organically when you start just making that commitment. So I think what I'm hearing are a couple of very important things, which is uh, in terms of lessons learned. First, make sure you have a business plan or at least put your ideas on paper and try to get as much detail as possible and do your testing, do your consumer testing because it sounds like you had your friends. Your friends were your testers. Uh, But at least you were able to get some feedback in terms of, the product it likes and dislikes and doing that and going doing those steps but married with a whole lot of passion and conviction seems to me the magic formula that got you through the launch to where you are today did i forget anything are there any other components that you thought were really uh important as you went through this process yeah, I think when it comes to the business plan, these this day and age, um, I think it's really easy for people in general to get stuck on the business plan. I think it's important to keep every aspect of your business organized, but I think a formal plan is kind of like 1999. Um, I think now, you know, we had to have our deck just in, in case advisors or a potential v- VC wanted to take a look at it. Um but I think I used to waste so much time doing a business plan mm-hmm. and then I would never start a business because I would get so overwhelmed. Um, so I think having an, an organi- organizational system is more important than a business plan. That's a good point. That's really yeah, interesting. I'd say, ex- I'd say executing everything has been key, especially after our launch. And now that we have customers and all of our friends and family is invested in it as well. We just don't want to let anyone down and we, you know, want to prove to everybody that we can do this. So I think after the launch, it just like became more real than ever that, okay, like we're going to do this and we are going to succeed at it. So let's talk about the product and the platform and how you are tying in your interest in animal welfare to, um, creating the business that you want. So just talk about how you came up with the concept and and where you are in the process. Yeah, so I think, you know, the concept of Unicreamer was born from my story. We just wanted to make sure that the actual product had enough 
grams of actives, and by actives, I mean protein, to really do its job. Um, you know, there there's no on-the-go creamers that have as much protein as we do. In fact, we really don't have much competition when it comes to on-the-go powder creamers at all. So when it came to formulation, we really wanted to make sure that we had that down. We also wanted to add some coconut oil in there. Um, we wanted to add, some, you know, a trendy ingredient that people are really loving at the moment. And we're also experimenting right now with other ingredients like MCT oil um, as well. And then when it comes to our actual platform, we wanted to be mission driven. We wanted to make a difference. I don't think any company can launch these this day without being mission driven. Um, and for me and Elise, it was really a, a lot about the animals and about compassion because we knew how life-changing animals were in our lives and getting us through really tough times. Um, and I think one of the biggest, one of the most pivotal moments for us, I think, is when we went to Thailand and we did, we saw, you know, a lot of three-legged dogs digging in garbage cans. And, you know, we, we're these little girls from Missouri that have only known like house pets and we spoil them. So it was for us, we were like, you know what, we want to make a difference in global and animal welfare on a global scale and not just for animals, but for people in general, because I pe think people can heal and be better off when they have that companionship. And when they're able to teach compassion to animals, I think that really elevates their life in general and how they treat people. So um, that's kind of what we're about. So I think it's great. So you have a, a very viable, actually very delicious product because I've tried it, Thank married you. with a very important cause, which I think is terrific. So you're, what, about six months into this now? And I guess oh, I'm going to ask you a kind of a crazy question, but what do you wish you knew six months ago that you know now? Well, it's actually only been three months, I believe. Oh, um, sounds like six months. I, I did my math wrong. Okay, so that's even more crazy. So <laughs> May, June. Yeah, it hasn't even actually been a full three months, which is insane because it feels like it's been two years. The one thing I wish I knew was that everything takes way longer than you think. So, you know, no matter how small the activity is or whatever you're trying to learn, or, you know, even just like waiting for stuff to get back for our manufacturer, it takes way longer than expected. So, um, you know, plan for that. Yeah, I really wish that I had more connections in the industry before we started, because we have some amazing advisors on right now that I wish that I had used my networking skills before we just poof, began a business. But you know, I don't, maybe I, perhaps I wouldn't have gotten them if we hadn't started. So I don't know. I'm I'm happy with how we did things so far. So how do people find your products? Where can they find them? So they can go to www.unicreamer.com. We will also be up, up and running on Amazon, I believe in a week or so, maybe even less. And that's where you can find us right now. And also find you on the Like a Boss Girls platform because we're doing a special deal for yeah. uh, followers of Like a Boss Girls. So we, we're really, I love the product. So I know we're trying to encourage people to try it. So I think that's, that's awesome. So what's next in the four months 
as you corrected me, three and a half, four months. What What's next? Yeah, so we are actually, we're trying out for Shark Tank at the end of May, which is really exciting. Um, oh, my goodness. Really, yes. So what's next for us is I think we're, besides being up on Amazon, we're also getting two new flavors, and we're also we're also seeking that really, really awesome strategic investor um, that's not only going to give us the money and funding we need, but also really help us build and grow the brand into something that's even greater than it is right now. So I think those are the next steps. Elise, do you have anything to add? Um, no, I think those were great next steps. Any parting words for our listeners? Um, any advice that you would give would be entrepreneurs, women who have this like burning desire to launch an idea. Any any parting thoughts? Yeah, I would tell anyone who's looking to either even just like go, getting the right job or trying to start their own business to just like start taking those steps. You know, you might have to sacrifice nights out with your friends or even just nights in general, but um, you know, the long term gain is so much more beautiful and better um, than the short term having to stay in. And one thing I found is that all entrepreneurs have been so willing to help each other out. So if you're out there and you do want to start a business, just find someone you know or just ask around and people, you'd be surprised how much people will actually want to help you. Yeah, you can, so, you can well, also email us. There you go, and we'll get that information in a minute. But I think you bring it back to the whole point of the podcast, which is talking about mentoring. Um, and there are different ways of finding support, both informally, and then there are so many um, online networks, women networks. So I, 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 I think that's also very, very useful as well. So, okay, okay. ladies, thank you so much. Uh, you, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, again, I really recommend this product. It's it's really, really delicious. So much non-dairy creamer is awful, and, and this stuff is really good. So, again, you can find it on www.unicreamer.com, soon to be on Amazon. And, uh, again, I want to thank Lori and Elise Lefcourt for spending this time with us. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much, Marla.